twenty of Grace Harlowe's Fourth Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty: The Mysterious Peter Rabbit. The gymnasium had, perhaps, never held a more motley crowd of revellers than on the night of the famous fiction masquerade. The faculty, who had been particularly interested in the idea of the masquerade, declared that for originality it was in line with nineteen-somethings usual efforts. They occupied seats in the gallery and amused themselves with trying to guess the identity of the various maskers and the books or famous book characters which they represented. It had been decided that as so many of the famous book titles did not lend themselves to impersonation, famous characters in fiction might also be impersonated. Therefore, when the longed-for night came round, heroes and heroines, with whose adventures and doings the book lovers' world is familiar, walked about, arm in arm, collected in little groups, or danced gaily together to the music of the eight-piece Overton Orchestra, whose members appeared to appreciate the humour of the occasion as keenly as did the faculty. It was an inspiring sight to watch Hamlet parading calmly about the gymnasium with Beverly of Graustark, or to watch Mrs. Wiggs of the Cabbage Patch waltz merrily off with Rip Van Winkle. Everyone immediately recognized the bow of Orange Ribbon and Robinson Crusoe. Meek little Oliver Twist with his porridge bowl, decorated by a wide white band bearing the legend, I want some more, was also easy to guess. So were Evangeline, Carmen, the little lame princess, Ivanhoe, Janice Meredith, and scores of other book ladies and gentlemen. There were a few masqueraders, however, whose fictitious identity was shrouded in mystery. No one could fathom the significance of a certain tall figure, dressed in rags, who stopped short in her tracks at frequent intervals, and producing a needle and thread, sewed industriously at her tattered garments. A black-robed sister of charity, accompanied by a strange figure who wore a shapeless garment, painted in dull grey squares to represent stone, and wearing a narrow leather belt about its waist, from which were suspended on either side two small andirons, were also sources of speculative curiosity. She was a young woman, in white, with a towering headdress, composed of a combination of the stars and stripes and the flag of France and no one had the remotest idea concerning the eight white figures who marched four abreast and would not condescend to break ranks even to dance. Sherlock Holmes was there with his violin tucked under one arm and a volume of his memoirs under the other. He evinced a strong preference for the society of Joan of Arc, while Sarah Crewe, little Lord Fauntleroy, and Rebecca of Sunnybrook travelled about together, a seemingly contented trio. The three musketeers were gorgeous to behold in their square-cut costumes, high boots, and wide feathered hats, but the sensation of the evening was Peter Rabbit, who came to the dance attired in his little blue brass-buttoned jacket, brown khaki pantaloons, and what seemed to be the identical shoes he lost in Mr. McGregor's garden. His mask was a cunning rabbit's head that was drawn down and fastened at the neck by a funny soft tie. Who Peter Rabbit was, and where he had managed to lay his hands on his costume, was a matter for discussion that night. The suspense of not knowing who was who ended with the unmasking after the eighth dance, and amid 
exclamations and little shrieks of laughter, the masqueraders stood face to face. "'Elfreda Briggs, I might have known you would,' laughed Arlene Thayer, shaking hands with Sherlock Holmes, while Miriam Nesbit thankfully lifted Joan of Arc's helmet and took off her mask. "'You are perfectly darling Fauntleroy,' admired Elfreda. "'I suppose Ruth was Sarah Crewe.' "'Yes,' returned Arlene Thayer. "'Here come those eight white figures,' she exclaimed. "'Why does Miss Barlow and her crowd? "'I don't know yet what they were representing.' "'The white company, of course,' declared Elfreda. "'There would be no satisfaction in being Sherlock Holmes "'if I couldn't solve all these puzzles.' "'Then live up to your reputation and tell me what famous work of fiction "'these approaching ragbag represents,' laughed Miriam. "'My power of deduction was strong enough to pierce the identity of that bundle of rags,' "'grinned Elfreda. "'I knew Emma Dean by her walk, but I don't know what she represents.' "'Who and what are you, Emma?' she hailed. "'Never too late to mend,' chanted Emma, flourishing a large darning needle and attacking her rags anew. A shout arose from the little circle of girls who had formed about her. "'There is another still harder to guess than mine. Over there,' pointed Emma. "'Look, girls!' "'What is it?' chorused half a dozen voices. "'Well, I never, if it isn't grace and patience.' There was a concerted rush toward the two girls. "'What in the name of common sense is this illustrious combination?' asked Emma. "'Why didn't you choose something a little harder?' "'We are easy enough to guess,' returned Patience loftily. "'That is, if you are familiar with standard fiction.' "'I'm not. I never was,' declared Emma. "'Tell us instanter.' "'Allow me to introduce you to the cloister.' Patience bowed low, and the hearth. Grace saluted the company with a loud jingling of her andirons. Oh, groaned Elfreda, no wonder my powers of deduction failed. Who could guess that Grace was representing a hearth? She looks more like a section of a garden wall, or the stone foundation for a new house, or... If my costume looks as stony as that, then I do look like a hearth, and either your eyesight or your imagination is defective, declared Grace in triumph. Certainly you resemble a hearth, agreed Emma Dean. Now tell me how you like my costume. It took me hours to reduce my wearing apparel to its present picturesque state. All you girls are screaming successes. But who is Peter Rabbit? I don't know, but I'm going to find out, declared Elfreda. He, or rather she, carried a package of little cards with a cunning rabbit's head and the name Peter Rabbit on them. I have one here. So have I, came from every member of the group. Let us find the famous Peter Rabbit, then offer our congratulations, prospered Patience, with a searching glance at the company. But the famous Peter was not to be found among the throng of gaily attired girls, and there was no little comment among them at his sudden and complete disappearance. "'I wonder what became of Peter Rabbit,' remarked Anne, when later in the evening a number of Semper Fidelis girls gathered in one corner of the room to hold an informal session and compare notes. "'Who is Peter Rabbit, or the mystery of the blue jacket?' declared Emma Dean. "'Even Sherlock is all at sea, aren't you, Brother Holmes?' Emma Dean laid her hand familiarly on the great investigator's shoulder. "'Don't be too sure that I'm all at sea.' 
I have a theory. Elfrida put on a preternaturally wise expression. We'll hear it at once, returned Emma briskly. Not tonight. I have other weightier problems on my mind. I've been asked to solve the campus mystery. Campus mystery? exclaimed several voices. What is it? Walk to the extreme northern end of the campus, then go east one hundred and fifty paces, and you will come face to face with the problem, was Elfrida's mystifying answer. Oh, I know what you mean, cried Sarah Emerson. The ground has been broken there for some kind of building. We noticed it day before yesterday. Right, my child, commended Elfrida patronizingly, and therein lies the mystery. I have prowled about the vicinity at odd moments ever since the men began working there, but even my powers of penetration have failed. Since your curiosity has reached such a height, why don't you ask Miss Wilder to tell you the whys and wherefores of this startling affair? teased Emma Dean. I never realized until now what a mysterious process digging a cellar is. It isn't the process that's mysterious, it is the object of the process, declared Elfrida with great dignity. Not everyone can see, either, interposed Emma innocently. The Briggs-Dean rapid-fire conversation team and an entirely new line of specialties, proclaimed Sarah Emerson. Secure front seats for the performance. There isn't going to be any performance, flung back Emma. This is merely a friendly chat, but it ends here and now. I don't propose to court publicity. Come on, Sherlock, let us hie us to the lemon bowl away from this maddening cloud. Sherlock offered his free arm, his memoirs were securely tucked under the other, and strolled nonchalantly toward the punch-bowl, looking as though he were towing an animated rag-bag. "'Doesn't Emma Dean look too ridiculous for words?' laughed Arlene Thayer to Grace. "'Never too late to mend,' quoted Grace. "'I wonder how she ever happened to hit upon the idea. She is a delightful girl, isn't she?' "'Emma Dean? One of the nicest girls at Overton?' Arline spoke with enthusiasm. When I came to Morton House as a freshman, Emma was there too. I had the most appalling case of the blues, for I didn't for one moment believe that I should ever like college. Emma had the next room to mine. She was so cheerful and said such funny things that I forgot all about my blues. I never knew she lived at Morton House, said Grace in surprise. She was there just two weeks, continued Arline. Then a freshman, who was an old friend of the Dean family, wanted Emma to room with her at Wayne Hall, and so she left Morton House and has been at the hall ever since. "'Your loss was our gain,' replied Grace. "'We couldn't do without Emma at Wayne Hall. She and Elfrida are the life of the house.' Arlene smiled to herself. Elfrida and Emma might fill their own particular niches in Wayne Hall, but there was only one Grace Harlowe. "'How I shall miss you, Grace!' she said with sudden irrelevance to the form of Emma. I shall miss you more than any other girl in college, except Ruth, when I go to New York for good and all. I forbid you to mention the subject, cried Grace, her fine face clouding. We mustn't even think of it. Oh, listen, Arline, the orchestra has begun that Strauss waltz I like so well. I'm going to put these clumsy old andirons over in the corner, then we'll dance and forget that we are seniors and must pay the penalty. It was almost twelve o'clock when the famous fiction dance came to a triumphant end, and the illustrious book heroes and heroines wended their midnight way toward their various houses and boarding-places. 
the Wayne Hall girls marched across the campus, Emma Dean parading ahead with outspread arms, her rags flapping about her, giving her the appearance of a scarecrow which had just emerged from a farmer's cornfield. "'There it is. There lies the mystery.' cried Elfreda, pointing toward the northern end of the campus, where considerable headway had been made in digging what appeared to be the cellar of a house. But Sherlock will unravel the tangled skein. Don't be so noisy, cautioned Miriam Nesbit. The real Sherlock wasn't. Tomorrow will tell the tale, went on Elfreda, unabashed, but in a slightly lower key. First I shall spy upon the workman. Then I shall collect samples of campus soil and spend the rest of the day deducing. I hope you won't overwork, was Emma's solicitous comment. While you are about it, you might deduce the identity of Peter Rabbit. I confess I am curious to know who wore Peter's blue jacket and why she disappeared so suddenly. So am I, declared Grace. We must try to find out, too. As the merry little party tramped upstairs to their rooms, Grace felt a hand on her shoulder. "'Do you really want to know who Peter Rabbit was?' whispered Elfreda. "'Yes,' breathed Grace. "'Then don't tell the girls. It was Kathleen.' "'Why didn't she unmask with the rest of us?' demanded Grace as they reached the head of the stairs. "'Why didn't she?' repeated Elfreda. I'll tell you why. She didn't wish any of us to know who she was. Can't you see? She wanted to be one of the crowd, and she was afraid the guards wouldn't take kindly to her. She is beginning to feel that she would like to be liked, and— Elfreda raised one hand, her index finger pointing upward. There is hope. End of chapter 20